0: Benachem Brody.
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 94 of the Strong Savvy Psycho and Triathlete podcast. This week, we're going to be talking about, is your sleep keeping you from getting faster? Now, the last couple of solo episodes, we've really dived into some really important topics, including increase your strength training. Now is the time to hit max strength why do cyclists and triathletes have back pain, all-out efforts, why you're not getting the results that you want or deserve, as well as the core is more, that is, if you want performance, and HRV training for performance, the accuracy and precision matter. Choose your hardware carefully. Now, these are the last couple of solo episodes, all even numbers, so if you haven't already subscribed and given us a five-star review on whatever podcast downloadable platform, whatever it's called, that you are listening to, uh, please make sure to do that and go back and listen to those episodes because they're here to help you have the best freaking season possible in 2021, especially after 2020. Don't you want to have a great season? Now, before we get into today's episode, I also want to encourage you to check out the Human Vortex Training blog and YouTube channel, where we've uploaded a ton of information to help you be able to ride, run, or swim faster and stronger, and to be smarter about how you're going about it and getting that extra edge. So if you haven't already, check out the HV Training YouTube channel and the humanvortextraining.com website. Lastly, if you are a coach and you would like to learn more about the strength training for cyclist certification to help your athletes get the edge with strength training that actually carries over to their sport, head on over to the Human Vortex Training website and sign up for the insiders list where you can get a discount, early access, and one of the coveted seats for the inner circle or the mentorship. Now let's get into today's topic because it is really important. Now back in 2018, I actually started writing about sleep. There was a post that went up on March 3rd, 2018 on the Everyday Power website on how to set up your bedroom for better sleep. Nowadays, cyclists and triathletes are inundated with recovery tools, uh, Theraguns, and compression boots, which as you can tell if you're a listener here, I really don't like because they're mostly a waste of money for most of you. They're expensive, uh, they're cost prohibitive, and they are a very high level recovery tool that should be used sparingly and only when absolutely necessary. Yet a number of cyclists and triathletes are out there And essentially you're using up a great recovery tool well before you actually need it. And you're just skipping ahead for the technology and the fancy doodads and to be able to spend money and say, look what I got. Now I know that's kind of mean of me to say, but things like what we're going to talk about today are what are going to actually make a bigger difference for you. Compression boots are cool. Compression boots have their place, but for most of you, the place is a couple years down the road, or when you've had some really massive training as we've put on here with the white city racing, uh, team that I coach, uh, or coach, excuse me. We did some massive TSS days, three, four in a row down in the dead sea basin. Uh, and that required Compression boots, but those are few and far between. How many in a season can you actually do and actually recover from and adapt to? And that's really what is at the core of everything we're going to talk about today. Now, the key word here is adaptation. We're not just after recovery. And this is something a lot of cyclists and triathletes don't necessarily understand because everybody's talking about recovery, recovery, recovery. We don't just want to recover, recover is where you go back to baseline. We want to adapt. And in order to adapt, we need high quality sleep in regular doses, in regular amounts, in the setting that is going to allow the body to do what it needs to do. And now we're not going to get super deep into this. We're just going to kind of look at the f- three or four ways that poor sleep are going to keep you from progressing. And I know these very well. I'm, I'm intimately uh, knowledgeable of these things because I worked on an ambulance, working, uh, uh, running 911 calls, working a 24-hour shift, and that completely torpedoed my development as a cyclist. Even though I was working two days a week and I had three days off in between, and then and then you know another work and then three days off, it really screws with your sleep. And I remember the the snowstorm of, uh, I think it was 2008 or 2009. I didn't sleep more than 30 minutes that night. Uh, It was just a crazy night. Not a lot of calls, but it took us forever to get through the snow to get to the the, the hospitals. Uh, Very interesting uh, night, if you will. But poor sleep really really can uh, sabotage all of the efforts that you are putting in in your training and the last year and a couple months i've gotten to know that again although this time with the baby the hormone uh production in the body has changed so being a 20 something year old and going through 911 calls is one thing but when you have a child uh, especially the mothers the hormone balance changes and that changes how the body is going to respond but you still need to keep in mind that the lack of quality sleep and the lack of consistency in your sleeping hours is going to keep you from being able to adapt because you're not getting enough quality sleep, uh, which is where the body is going to essentially change the internal environment. So I'm going to try and keep this really focused. Uh, I could go on for a couple hours on this, but we're going to keep to the format, about a half hour here. So if you have questions or you you wanna learn a little bit more and see the actual studies, uh, there's a link over to Joel's piece as well as my piece uh, over on the Everyday Power blog. Now, let's get into the first part here. So the lack of sleep, and this is something that I really felt this past year and some odd months here uh, with the kiddo. Now, this is the best blessing uh, of life. Do not misconstrue this. Do not think, oh, well, he wishes he had more sleep or didn't. No, no, that is not what I'm saying. What I am saying is how I approached training had to drastically change. And thankfully, this is something that I practiced uh, with all of my clients when they had their first kids or second kids or third kids, whatever it was. I've almost always, since I worked on the ambulance back in the the mid to late 2000s, have been intrigued and interested in diving into sleep and why it impacts performance so much. Um, This is where the body is essentially going into an anabolic status, if you allow it. This is where the uh, avoidance of stimulants like caffeine, which we all know is a stimulant, and alcohol, which most people do not realize is a stimulant, especially in my 20s. A lot of people are like, well, why wouldn't I drink before bed? I'll have a nightcap. I sleep better. Well, actually, that's not true. Caffeine and alcohol are both stimulants. And are going to keep you from getting into the deep sleep cycles, which is where a lot of the human growth hormone is released, and a plethora of other hormones that allow for adaptation and tissue repair to occur within the body. Now, the interesting thing about this is that too little sleep in total hours or too low quality of sleep pushes the recovery down. So it's essentially keeping you from getting into this anabolic status. Um, As you go through, and this happens as you get more nights strung together of poorer and poorer sleep, a number of things are going to happen. Number one is over the course of, let's say, as little as three nights, your ability to make high quality uh, decisions is going to decrease. Now, if I'm not mistaken, and I might be because it's been a while since I cracked open this book, but if I'm not mistaken, Charles Duhigg, I, I believe, talks about this in his book, The Power of Habit. I could be wrong. Um, or it might be the Near Eyal book. I think it's The Power of Habit with Charles, Charles Duhigg. Uh, Near Eyal has another book uh, on a on, uh, similar topic, and I can't remember. They're both yellow covers. Uh, but one of those two books, I'm pretty sure it's a Charles Duhigg book, uh, The Power of Habit, talks about the fatigue and the ability to make high-quality decisions. Now, it's definitely in the power of habit. Uh, he talks about judgments. So judges, you tend uh, tend to have better judgments, more favorable judgments uh, in the morning, first thing after they start, and then again after lunch in the first half hour. So if you happen to get a hearing time that is in the afternoon, you are far less likely to get a favorable outcome in that hearing because of the fatigue that you're getting. Now, he's specifically talking about decision fatigue, and he goes on to uh, say how certain presidents or, or a lot of presidents will have uh, be presented with either One simple choice, what color tie? And some don't get a choice at all. They want the clothing to be picked out. So they save their decision making ability for later in the day when they actually need it to make big decisions. Um, Now this goes across party lines. This is people. We're talking about just human beings as a whole. Now, as you go through this, that decision making is going to trickle down to your decision, whether to push or to ease back in your training. And I literally just had this conversation, uh, with someone in the gym today. One of the regulars, uh, is in there, uh, in the gym. He came in, I was finishing my workout. He's like, Oh, you're leaving. Yeah. He's like, well, I didn't really sleep that much last night. I only got six hours. I feel really tired. Today's just not my day. And we had this conversation of, well, how much of a day is it, not your day? Is it like your body's telling you, hey we're not up for this or is it more like man we're tired let's scale back and we had this conversation where he we said well i'm here i need to do the work well that depends there are a number of studies and, and it's becoming more and more uh, as the studies come out the uh, evidence is almost insurmountable to let you know that if you train in a fatigued state and you're going high intensity or heavy loads You are opening yourself up to a higher risk of injury. The more complex the movements, crossfit and the Olympic lifts, those of you who are trying to do kettlebell swings when you're really tired from your riding on the weekend and haven't learned the movement well enough, and even if you have learned the movement well enough, going in and trying to complete complex tasks under fatigue is going to open you up at a risk of injury. And this is one of the reasons why my training has significantly shifted in the last year. Now, let's be honest. Uh, I am not a shining example of what to do I am human I put on about uh, 15 pounds during the third lockdown here uh, and it shows if you look at the road.cc uh, five part video series that I did for them and, and the blog series uh, you'll actually see you can see the weight on me and that's pretty rare uh, I had actually gone up from 87 kilos which was my fighting weight as a a super strong cat four in Pittsburgh. <laughs> If there's such a thing, um, all the way up to 98 and a half kilos before that last lockdown. But, you know, as some of my friends who saw me, uh, who knew me in high school, they're like, you look exactly the same. And that's because things had been in balance. Uh, but over the last lockdown, uh, being at home with the baby, not getting a lot of sleep, not getting my normal movement in because I, coach a lot of sessions throughout the day anywhere from four to six hours of on my feet coaching. That's a lot of movement compared to being in an apartment with an infant and my wife, which was fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I loved every well most of the seconds of it. sometimes we just gotta get out. But the decision fatigue happened from the lack of sleep that and there's a study actually that shows this, uh, and I believe Joel links to one of the more recent ones or two of the more recent ones in his post, you are more likely when you have had consecutive nights of poor sleep or less sleep to choose high, highly dense caloric foods. (laughs) That's not healthy. So over time, you, your resistance, your, your automatic autonomic nervous system does not automatically kind of kick in and go, Hey, let's choose the healthy thing here. Uh, instead you kind of automatically go, Hmm, pizza, delicious. Well, let's throw some mushrooms and some green olives on it and some onions so that way we get our vegetables in. And you know, we have the tomatoes and the dressing and then you begin rationalizing and making it okay. And the next thing you know, 15 pounds COVID come along. These are the types of things that can affect your training and over time, these are the well-duh ones, right? This is, yeah, you're tired. You're just going to take food that's highly caloric or highly dense in calories because you need more calories or that's what your body's telling you because you're running on empty but it also, this is where the lack of quality or the lack of sleep also decreases your body's ability to maintain lean muscle mass. So we talked about the deep sleep and how the hormonal status, the internal environment of the body is going to change because you're not getting as much deep sleep. Now, there was a study uh, back in 2010, uh, Medelta Cheva, I believe uh, is how you pronounce it, or it could be completely wrong. Um, they looked at the body composition of individuals. And actually, uh, this is the same one Joel linked to, which is pretty cool. It's always nice to see that uh, happen. Um, the body composition for those uh, who had only five and a half hours of sleep. And this is a short study. I think it was six or eight weeks. So the group, there were two groups, five and a half hours of sleep a night and eight and a half hours of sleep. Now both lost around six kilos. So they were both put into a caloric deficit, but those who only slept five and a half hours a night lost about 80% of that through muscle mass. The group who slept eight and a half hours a night, it was about 50 50, 60 40. So, which one would you like? Would you like to lose six kilos where it's 50 50, let's say, or 60 40 fat to or muscle to fat, or would you rather lose 80 20, 80% muscle mass and 20% of that being fat mass? We want to be in the second one. Do you see how those Theraguns and the compression boots are just. You're just lying to yourself. You think you can spend yourself into better adaptations. You can't. It has to do with habits. It's habits, it's what we do. Sometimes we're in a season of life with an infant or working a job that you love or that you need, whatever it may be, because it pays the bills, because it gives you a steady paycheck, because that's what you can do at that time but you're not going to get the adaptations that you're looking for. This is not a knock against the the surgeons. This is not a knock against the EMTs out there, the paramedics, uh, the police officers, the law enforcement, the soldiers. It's not a knock against them. I am just stating what we've learned about the body, which means if you are working in one of these professions, you need to be much more aware of the fact that as you go through this, it's the two weeks on, two weeks off. I'm working with a a doctor right now, uh, working in the ER, two weeks on, two weeks off. There is a noticeable uptick in the quality of his uh, training as we get to the end of that two week off cycle. And then as we go through the work cycle, and what happens is we have to ebb and flow the intensity. And we're j- I'm just starting to do this with him. I've been working with him for about five months. So the on-bike stuff is just starting to taper off towards the end of the second week. Uh, we get him a little bit of sleep, and then we start bringing it back up. But we have to recognize that doing high-intensity or high-volume when you're tired is a really, really bad idea. You've got to dial it back. And this is something that I have actually done well over the course of this year. Uh, before the uh, the baby joined us, uh, again, huge blessing. Uh, and just... <laughs> the amount of of giggles and laughter throughout the day is immense. And we as adults screw everything up. We need to laugh more. Uh, He laughs. I think I read somewhere that babies laugh somewhere like 323 or 320 times plus a day. And adults laugh like six on a good day. Um, But the lack of sleep increases the or decreases the ability for you to handle volume and to handle intensity. Now, this is a lesson I learned, uh, not the hard way, but I learned as I worked through the ambulance uh, a number of years ago, almost 13, 14, 15 years ago, I can't handle the high volume. And I dialed back, so I started doing RPE. And that took me down the path to begin 15 years ago of studying RPE, which now we're seeing has a lot of validity. I mean, the Borg scale of RPE of 6, uh, six to 20 is very, very accurate. It's, it's creepy. If you multiply the number of your RPE, which is kind of confusing, uh, by X, I believe it's 6 or 10, uh, you actually get your heart rate, which is really crazy if you think about that, uh, that they can predict that off the Borg scale. But it's highly valuable. Now, when you go into the gym, we all, all, and I include myself in this, we all like to say, well, last week I did kettlebell swings with X and I'm tired today, but because that's what I did last week, that's what I'm going to use again. Now, again, thankfully, I made those small mistakes many, many years ago uh, when I was quite more, uh, quite a bit more resilient and robust. You know, 20 something, you've got a lot of the good hormones going, you're able to recover, you make some silly mistakes that in your 30s or 40s uh, will punish you if you're not careful. And uh, above 40, you know, that can really punish you uh, as the saying goes, uh, over the age of, of 40, uh, you need to be aware of the days you feel great because the days you can do some damage. As you go through, the intensity can remain the same, but it's perceived intensity. So for example, I just mentioned this morning, I had this uh, conversation with Shlomi, and I said to him, look, if you feel like you're at a, if you feel out of 10, you slept and you got six and a half hours and you feel like you're at a five, instead of trying to do kettlebell swings, like take myself for example today, instead of doing my kettlebell swings at, at 24, uh, and I'm not saying this to impress you, it's just to impress upon you how much of a dial back you have to do. Uh, instead of doing them at 24, I did my first set at 24. I was like, man, these these do not feel right. The, the pattern is good, but I don't have that pop. I'm not getting the pop that I need. I went down to 12 kilos. I have the weight where it felt light, the pattern was good, but I was also able to get just a little bit of a nervous system pop. Now, it wasn't great. I mean, I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> uh, I slept you know, three hours and then two hours and then two hours. Uh, the baby is crawling all over and crying and uh, really cute. I don't know. My wife is a superhero. <laughs> She's handling it way better than me. But she also has a different hormonal response due to nursing, all, all this other stuff. Uh, to bring this back to point here. Sorry, a little bit of a rabbit hole. In order to see progress, you just need consistency in your working out. Now, some days here with the, the little one, that has meant that I am doing squats with him and push presses with him and a baby version, baby safe, baby spine and hip-safe version of a kettlebell swing. It's not really a swing, but it's a, a hinge with him. He loves it. He loves it. It's kind of the story of Milo where, you know, every day I'm picking him up and he's growing. Not as fast as a cow, although we took him to see those and that was really cool for him to see. Um, And essentially, what we're looking for out of this is the consistency in your training. Now, some weeks that's going to mean you're going to get a structured workout in. Again, using myself as an example. The other days, it's doing some movement that's doing push, pull, squat, hinge, press, rotary stability. and just doing one set. And this this is what I said to Shlomi is as you go through here, instead of worrying about getting all of the work done that you had planned, go based on feel. Your perceived exertion normally is a seven, and you had three sets of eight. Great. Find a weight that feels like a seven and do it for three sets of eight. Or on the other side, if you're like, man, I'm just, I'm just happy I made it here, and I just want to get some work done, do one set of 15 to 20 to an RPE of five to seven depending on how you're feeling, and that's it, that is it, you don't have to do lots and lots, on the bike, this would equate, today's not a day for all outs, (laughs) as you've heard in the previous episode, you know, you're not getting what you want out of your all outs, episode 88, you're not getting what you want out of your all outs, you got to dial it back, if your heart rate's not recovering, you already, let's just, let's, let's stop kidding ourselves, if you show up to do all outs, and you didn't sleep all the night before, you know, So that's a day and you got to know where you are in your training program. For most of you right now here in the middle of May, that's going to mean that you're going to dial back from all outs to probably a low lactate threshold uh, or even short sprints where it's more neuromuscular, but you're going to do lots of recovery. So instead of doing six or eight by one minute all out with uh, three or four minutes recovery in between or longer or recovery down to heart rate of 130, You're going to do three sets of five max cadence sprints from a three mile per hour start in the small ring uh, for 10 seconds each, purely neuromuscular. And you're going to do four minutes, five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes rest in between. You may get through your first set of five and go, man, I'm done. I'm toasted. I can't do any more. Great. Ride endurance, ride home and pack it up because lack of sleep is going to increase your risk of injury. And this is a newer one. Uh, There are a number that have been done on soldiers, but they found that soldiers, this is a new one. Uh, This is uh, directly, this one is directly from Joel's uh, post. Uh, Number two, lack of sleep increases your risk of injury. I have this also. He has a, a newer study than what I had here, so we're going to use that one. Greer et al., 2020, the year of 2020. Soldiers who slept four hours or less were 2.35 times more likely to get injured than those who slept eight hours or more. Now, most of you are not sleeping less than four hours. I, I hope not. Most of you are getting six, maybe seven. Well, that's, some of you may say, well, the average is seven to nine. Hours a night for adults. So I'm getting seven, so I'm good. Sure, if you want to be a a barely scrape by, you want to be a C student, that's cool. That's okay. If you're serious about your performance, you've got to program in before uh, your big block or pair of blocks. Hey, I'm going to bed at nine and I'm waking up at 5 30 and I'm going to get on the bike before sunrise so I can actually get my workout in without blowing myself apart. If you're getting six hours and you're expecting to build performance, and some of you, that might be normal for you. Six hours is a lot and you feel fresh. Fantastic. You're an outlier, as Malcolm Gladwell calls it. That's okay. But have you actually tried And many of you say, well, I get, I get an average six, six and a half hours a night. But does that work for you? Well, that's what I've always got. Let's try going to bed a little bit earlier. It really is phenomenal. Once you start to try something and you got to do it for two weeks and you have to commit to it. It's not, I'm going to go to bed early every weeknight and then weekends, I'm going to just stay up. It's got to be consistent. And that's a mistake a lot of people make. You have to be consistent. So number one too little sleep and you are putting yourself into a catabolic state. Now, the thing that I didn't mention and is important, very important, is that women in the luteal phase, this is going to be a double doozy because your body's already in a catabolic state hormonally. It is breaking down. uh, It's getting ready for menstruation. The body's already shifted in that direction. Uh, It's getting ready to shed the, uh, the lining. Uh and essentially what that means is that if you are not getting enough sleep, you are really going to feel that. And I know a number of women who do. They're like I need to get 9 hours tonight. I'm going to bed at 7 if that's what it takes. Now, one of the mistakes that a lot of us make as we talked about before is caffeine or alcohol. Uh now one of the things we we want to kind of talk about at the end here is is the timing of that um We'll get into that towards the end of today's podcast though, just a couple more minutes. So you're in a deep sleep. We wanted to make sure we're getting a consistent amount of deep sleep because you are not going to get the recovery and adaptation that you are after if you're not getting enough quality sleep. You've got to do it. You've got to do it consistently. Remember the study from 2010 that you can lose six kilos But if you're sleeping more, it's going to be 50 or 60, 40 uh, muscle mass versus fat mass. But if you're getting only five and a half, it's going to be 80, 20 muscle mass to fat mass. We don't want to lose muscle mass. That's what we're working for. The second is that it's going to allow you or lead you to making awful decisions, especially when it comes to food, especially when it comes to just doing things in general. I think every parent out there can attest to that as well. Lack of sleep is going to lead to bad decisions and then the other and last is going to be the risk of injury now what's interesting about this is uh, again joel's piece came out uh, after we had already finished uh kind of the write-up for it he covers these same things in his piece except he does it lack of sleep kills recovery then he talks about lack of sleep increasing risk of injury and then bad decisions Now, the fourth thing uh, that lack of sleep is going to lead to is mental fatigue, and this ties into the uh, risk of injury. Now, this was a study back at Carnegie Mellon University a number of years ago that they showed mental fatigue uh, and and not being mentally sharp was one of the top reasons people got injured uh, in practice. I believe they looked at basketball players and volleyball players, uh, so turning an ankle, things of that nature, is mental fatigue. Uh, and again, uh, that is in the near ayal book, if I'm not mistaken, uh, where he talks about the f- mental fatigue and how that can lead uh, to negative uh, effects on the body. But these are things that we have to be very, very wary of. Um, and we've already talked about it, but let's turn and talk about the five ways that you can get better quality sleep. Now, the first two are pretty simple. Number one, I've already posted or written a post about this over on Everyday Power, and that is set up your bedroom to be able to help you get better sleep. Uh, This involves having some type of sleep-supporting plant. So again, here we have uh, Peace Lily in our house. Uh, We had lavender, but I killed two of them, so we kind of give up on that. Uh, we had a jasmine tree also killed that (laughs) i'm awful i'm telling you uh and then aloe vera and snake plants so these are things that help absorb the toxins in the air producing fresh air having green live plants uh, allows you to have fresher oxygen which allows you to be able to sleep better Uh, the second is going to be going to bed at a regular time This is very important and something that can be very challenging. Uh, For me, when I put on those 15 pounds in the third lockdown, that's what happened. Some nights we went to bed at 10 with the baby or a little bit after the baby. Other nights we went to bed at midnight, and then we went to bed at eight. Uh, We didn't have anything to go out to, so we could kind of shift around. I didn't have my normal morning sessions, so I can sleep. When the baby wakes us up, we'll wake up. Uh, Not the plan that you want. You want to have a regular bedtime, and again, this is going to need to be consistent throughout the week and the weekend. You can't do it during the week and expect on the weekend to make up sleep by sleeping more. It doesn't work like that. Now, number three is, and this is a common mistake for cyclists and triathletes, uh, is too much caffeine or alcohol too late in the day. Now, There was a a study done. By the way, if if you guys want to learn more about caffeine and performance and how it impacts, uh, Asker Jukendrup is a fantastic person to follow. He's been doing research on this for for a decade at this point. uh, Really, really knowledgeable. So check out his stuff. I don't remember his exact website, but I'll put the link uh, in the show notes here. Uh, Essentially, you need to back off of the caffeine uh, as. Now this is going to hurt because I, I know that I'm awful about this. Six to eight hours before you want to go to sleep. I'm totally guilty of, of breaking this. <laughs> my afternoon coffee is usually at 3, 4, 4.30, but I also know if I finish my coffee after five, I don't sleep well. I know that I'm, I'm sensitive there, uh, but there was actually a study done in 2010, 2011, I can't remember, uh, but they found that uh, somewhere around 350 to 450 milligrams of caffeine, uh, six hours uh, before sleep, reduced your total sleep by by over a half hour. It's crazy. Uh, And it's one of those things that is, you know, again, if I drink three four hours before I know that I'm not going to sleep well. So if I'm up and I have like a a late meeting or something, I know that I'm not going to sleep well if I have that caffeine. So I try and find other ways to keep myself awake. But six hours, six hours before uh, any type of caffeine or alcohol is going to be uh, disturbing your sleep and taking you away from being able to sleep. Now, some of you may be thinking, yeah, but I take um, whatever to help me sleep. Chamomile or melatonin. You're just playing a very roller coaster game of hormones, and that is not something that you want to do. Now, uh, the third thing that a lot of us like to try and do is, well, I didn't sleep well, so I'm just going to go harder today, or I'm just still going to do the workout as written today. And this is the conversation I had today with Shloimey, is no, you're not going to do that. That is not the smart thing. Again, he was smart enough to recognize today's not my day. That was literally his words, today's not my day. And then it was how much to back off. There are some days, and I've done this, especially the last year, even though the gym was open finally, and I was able to get in, or I finally had heavier weights. You start your warmup and you, you, you just know that it's not your day. And guess what? I have broken that rule. And that was the day that I tore my meniscus. I knew that I was exhausted and I shouldn't go to the gym. But I said, you know what? I really need to get in three workouts this week. Why the heck does it matter? I don't need to go to the gym to get a third. I should have been in bed sleeping instead of getting up and going to the gym because I was that tired. Oh, live and learn, right? You cannot out-train bad sleep. And this is something that cyclists, this time of year, and that's what prompted this to go in as episode 94 where we are right now, the end of May, because it is a constant theme that has come up with cyclists and triathletes that I have begun with Uh, in the winter. We get into May and then they try and out-train their bad sleep. They're like, hey, I'm really tired. I was really tired today, but I pushed through. I was really tired today, but I pushed through. I was really tired today, but I pushed through. Why isn't my FTP going up? Why isn't my power profile getting better? Why aren't the weights feeling lighter? Because you cannot out-train bad sleep. It is not going to happen. And nowadays, the last couple of years, aura, whoop, whatever you're using, Morpheus, are all going to give you an alert and say, "Hey, your HRV is trending down and you're working uh, heart rate range. And I, I did a study, um, a Facebook story and an Instagram story a number of months ago when the gym had just opened after the first uh, closure uh, where I showed my HRV. I was like, this is normally my recovery range or excuse me, my endurance range. And it's now my working range. <laughs> and I had to go so light. I had to back all the way off. I wasn't even doing that much. But this is what the power of a precise and accurate HRV tool Uh, And I particularly use Morpheus. Uh, I'm a really big fan. I I really think that it works extremely well. If you'd like to hear more about the importance of this, go back and listen to episode 84, HRV training for performance, accuracy, and precision matter. If you're looking for performance, choose your hardware carefully. Now, as you go through this, we can also do it by RP. I knew that. I didn't need the, the program to tell me. I knew that. I'm the type of person who's tuned into his body and i can tell and some physical therapists look at me like i'm crazy and i'm like oh it's this and this and they're like how do you know that you can't know that and they like, go oh yeah it is <laughs> some of us just have that feel for our body or we develop that fine tuning of our body so it doesn't mean that you can't work out it doesn't mean you should skip except for when you walk into the gym and you do your your warm-up or you start your warm-up or the whole drive there, as it was for me when I tore my meniscus that morning. I remember the whole drive there. I'm like, why am I getting up? I should go to bed. I was like, no, I'll have a coffee. The coffee made me feel worse. Uh, You just know your body's just telling you, go home, man. What are you doing, dude? And you know. So for those types of days, you dial back like Shalemi did today. He did, I think he did RPE of six for most of his uh, workout. Um, Or you just do that one set of 15 to 20 at RPE of five to seven, whatever feels appropriate for you for that day. You do one set of each and you just go home. You got enough work, but you don't do heavy weights. You don't do highly complex movements and you don't do hard conditioning. You just don't. Now, the last part is, and we've already kind of covered this, but we want to make sure that we have our bedroom uh, in the right mindset. And what I mean by that is, or the right setting, excuse me, we need to have the right mindset when we step through the doorway to our bedroom. And the mistake a lot of people make is there is a television in the bedroom or they bring their laptops to bed. Now, this is again, something that I learned when I worked on the ambulance running 911 calls, is when I stopped watching TV in my bedroom. And it is a noticeable difference. And it's not just me. It's a number of other people that I've worked with. Some people, they don't notice it right away. But when they start watching again in bed, they start to notice it. So the bedroom is for two things, sleep and sex. That's it. Nothing else. Anything else you want to do, you want to talk on the phone, do it in the living room. If you have come, Of course, of course, I've taken some Zoom calls in the bedroom. I've taken some phone calls in the bedroom because my wife's in the office, the baby is in the living room, or they're in the living room, and I can hear them in the office, and the bedroom's better. Of course, there are exceptions, but you want to make them as far and as few as possible. When you decide and cut off the bedroom from being anything else, it's not a place to watch movies. Now, again, another exception that just came to the top of my head, what if you're sick? Of course, you're not going to have to get. If you're not feeling well, we can make some exceptions. You're not sleeping well as it is, right? That's not ideal. Ideally, we want you to drag yourself out of bed and go to sleep in the bed, in the living room, and watch TV on the sofa. But sometimes you just can't get out of bed. So that means, okay, we make an exception, but don't make it a habit. Uh, Don't eat in the bedroom either. If you're going to have anything, it should be a glass of water or a, a. A container of water, uh, like a bottle next to the bed, but you're not eating anything in the bedroom. It is for sleep and sex. That is it. The other part of this, and this is, uh, I think, something a lot of people don't realize, is it needs to be cold and dark. Um, For me personally, I find that I sleep best somewhere in the low 70s. I've read a couple places that um, 70, 68 even uh, is best, but we want it to be dark. So, if you have a street light outside of your window, you want to get one of those, uh, those darkening pull down blinds that you can, you know, like in the movies, they flip back up, t-t-t-t-t-t-t. or you can get uh, blackout blinds. You can also use a face mask. I personally don't like that. I can't stand anything covering my face or my eyes when I'm sleeping, it just creeps me out. Uh, you want to make sure that it is quiet, uh, and this is something that's really interesting. So, with the baby. Uh, my wife wanted to sleep train him. So we got a white noise machine. Now, a couple of uh, weeks ago, they were out of the house for uh, the first time, stayed at the in-laws and I had to come back as I had work. And um, it was really interesting. I slept without the white noise machine and I didn't sleep as well. So the white noise machine, you can get them for 30, I think I paid $38.99 or something on Amazon. It's got 25 different sounds. Um, There's also a number of applications you can use, but this ties back into no screens in the bedroom. That includes your cell phone, even though it has the night screen where it doesn't have blue light, or even though you have the blue light glasses, doesn't matter. You can get an old school style alarm clock, put it next to your bed, charge your phone outside, uh, or charge your phone on the floor away from you where you're not going to be tempted to look at it. Uh, And that's what I do. I I set the alarm. I put the phone face down on the floor uh, where it's a pain in the butt to get. I have to get out of bed to go get it to look at it. Whereas when it's on the nightstand, I can't really fall asleep. So I'm just going to scroll and scroll and scroll. And now it's after midnight. Where did the last hour and 17 minutes go? oh, don't pretend like you don't know what I'm talking about. You're guilty of it too. So get an old school style alarm clock or put your cell phone charged somewhere away from the bed where you have to get out of bed to get it. But don't use your cell phone until you're about to go to sleep. Ideally, we want to have at least an hour Uh, More realistic for most people like myself is 30 minutes before bedtime, no more screens, that's it. Uh, And we want to make sure that the bed is nice and comfortable. So that was one of the best things that my wife and I did. Uh, We bought a brand new mattress and it is incredible the difference you will feel right away. So if you haven't changed your mattress in the last eight years, it is time to invest in yourself. Instead of getting the compression boots, go get a nice mattress. Uh, And it doesn't necessarily and shouldn't necessarily be the memory foam, uh, the back. We won't get into that actually, because that's a whole nother episode. So we'll talk about that later. And we, again, we want to make sure uh, that the temperature is right. Now, if you're sleeping in a hot room, some of you will say, yeah, but I need to sleep in a hot room. Well, actually the science is showing that it's not that good for you. So it really is important for you uh, to go and make sure that you are sleeping in a cool room, a cool environment, uh, somewhere between 68 and 72 degrees, depending on what's comfortable for you. Uh, And the last thing is you want your bedroom to be neat. Now, I am not fantastic at this, but much better. Uh, We want it to be clean and neat looking. We want it to be de-stressed. Now, some of you may say, but I feel comfortable in my messy room. I don't have to worry about cleaning stuff up try it for two weeks. Make sure to keep it clean. You know, if you're going to keep your day's clothing on the floor and then you take it out and put it in the laundry, that's fine. Uh, But we don't want it to be a mess because that actually is subconsciously very stressful. Um, So these are the tips that are very simple and you will be amazed. Try what we talked about here, uh, keeping the room cool, getting higher quality of sleep, going to bed at a regular time. By the way, the hours before midnight, uh, essentially for the body, counts relatively as double uh, because of the hormonal status. It ties into the circadian rhythm, which ties into the moon cycles, which ties into the water cycles. If you live near water, you don't live near water. It's crazy stuff, but it is all very, very poignant. So that is it for today's episode. Uh, We covered a lot about sleep, try it. If you're contemplating getting something fancy and spending, you know, more than a hundred dollars on something for recovery, uh, like a Theragun or the compression boots or some type of pills or cream or anything else, try cleaning up your sleep, have better sleep hygiene, regular bedtime, cool, uh, and calm room with some type of green, uh, that we talked about or we linked to over in the blog post on everyday power. See what you can do you will be amazed as to the changes and the improvements in your performance in as little as two weeks. Uh, If you really can, give it uh, a month of a a true go where you really do go to bed at the same time, plus or minus 30, 40 minutes, no screens. The bedroom is only for sleep or sex and you are keeping that environment in a nice way so that you're able to walk in, de-stress. It's clean, it's cool uh, and quiet or it has white noise so you can sleep soundly. So make sure you're giving us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you have downloaded this on. And thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing. And until next time, remember, train smarter, not harder, because it is all about you.
0: That's it for this episode of the Strong, Savvy Cyclist and Triathlete Podcast with world-leading strength coach for cyclists and triathletes, Menachem Brody. Don't miss an episode. Hit that subscribe button and give us a review. For more exclusive content, visit humanvortextraining.com or get the latest expert videos from Coach Brody on the HVT YouTube channel at HB Training. Until next time, remember to train smarter, not harder, because it is all about you.